Welcome back, everyone, to Interesting Enough. Thank you so much again for joining us. He is my co-host, Trey Samuel. I am Nolan Todd. Thank you for listening. Please join us on all platforms, all streaming platforms possible. Got a good show for you guys today. Of course, we are recording after the big game for you by the Miami Heat. So, of course, I wanted to get on my Heat soapbox and speak to everyone today. The series is 2-1. Trey, we have talked about it off air. You know, we made our predictions. My prediction isn't looking too hot right now. How are you feeling in terms of the series? I felt like game three was a swing game. Do the Heat still have a chance here, or was it just one great game by a great player? Oh, uh, well, to make you feel better, um, I think the Heat still have a chance in this series. I think, I know we're talking um, off the record, but I think game one and game two, the biggest thing I saw was that the Heat just didn't play well. I mean, the Lakers, they did have a phenomenal game one where they got out to that hot start after they after the Heat had a hot start to begin with. The Lakers, I think they had a 70 to 30 run. I mean, so you know it's hard to be any team when they go on a 70-30 run. But the Heat just haven't played well up to that point. I mean, they weren't shooting the three ball well. Jay Crowder had came back down to earth. Duncan Robertson was really struggling just to get shots off. I think one game, I think it might have been game two, he only had three shots. Tyler Hero was struggling. Jimmy Butler wasn't as aggressive as we needed him to be. You had the injuries on top with Gordon and Bam and then Jimmy, the first game, turning his ankle. Um, And for the Lakers, I mean, it was really just Anthony Davis. As much as I love LeBron, and he's played great this series other than game three, but it's really just been Anthony Davis. I mean, when they lost in game three, that was the big um, striking point that I saw. Anthony Davis had foul trouble. He had four early fouls, couldn't get in the rhythm. Can't get any rebounds, couldn't play aggressive defense because he was worried about getting another foul. LeBron had to carry a heavy load. LeBron's shot wasn't falling. I mean, the Heat, they have a formula where they can win. What I need to see, though, is a more aggressive Jimmy Butler. I need to see that game three Jimmy Butler for the rest of this series if they want to win. I mean, what's the biggest thing you're really seeing in this series as far as the Heat? What do they need to do to win this series? Well, Stephen A. Smith is right. First of all, we do need to pray. I will, I will <laughs> definitely mention that. Second of all, just to recap for some of the people who, who may have been a little bit out of touch with the series, obviously the big thing that has happened with the Miami Heat is we've lost two of our three best players in Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic to injuries. Huge hits. The only benefit of this happening is that it did happen in game one, so the Heat were able to adjust and make some adjustments because we do have some depth there. But I think losing those two players makes it extremely tough. To answer your question, what I think the Heat could do, and I know you and I have also obviously talked about this, especially losing Bam out of bio. He's our best defensive player. He was a defensive player of the year candidate. It's tough. You can see definitely see that in game two as far as just being able to box at Anthony Davis and, and get at least on the boards and, and make it a respectable uh, rebound margin. However, having him out the game and having Kelly Olenek in the game at least – at the very least, what he doesn't give you defensively, he does provide for you offensively as far as stretching the floor. That definitely gave spacing to guys like Jimmy Butler and even Tyler Hero at times to attack the basket. And you can see Jimmy being the beneficiary of that, being able to go one-on-one against a bunch of different guys and I think have pretty much a historic finals performance, which we'll get into in a second. So with the Heat, I think they've got to do something that they did in game three that they did in some of the other games. and It's just effort. And it's kind of weird with the Miami Heat team. I know you saw guys like Kendrick Nunn being stuck on the backside of a zone. 
um, having to box out a big man, which for non-basketball novices, uh, I'm sorry, for a basketball novice, excuse me, traditionally usually have a guard or smaller players at the front of, of, of a zone or in the front of the defense, if you will. The Heat kind of do it in the inverse there, and they have those guys on the backside. The only negative on that is they're kind of stuck guarding a guy that's usually a lot bigger than them if they do miss a shot. And Anthony Davis made them pay with that. I think you saw the Heat make that adjustment, one. And then, two, just going into the zone less and trusting their defense. I think with the Heat, they got to pull out, like I said, more effort. you got to box out. I mean, you can't box out Anthony Davis late. Like, that's not going to work. So you, you got to box out early. I think they got to shoot the ball better, even better than they did there. Tyler Hero, he didn't shoot the ball well. Duncan Robinson didn't either, but they seemed to hit some shots towards the end of the game. Jimmy Butler just carried him, and he got into the paint, and he made sure to exploit any matchup. If he sees any guys like KCP, which is Contavious Caldwell-Pope, or Danny Green, which I know you have some feelings about Danny Green, how he's played not only in in the uh, finals, but throughout the playoffs. If he sees any of those guys, it's barbecue chicken, man. And he's got to go attack them. And, and that's the way it's going to be. And I wanted to follow that up with asking you, one, do you think Jimmy Butler could follow up that performance? And two, where do you rank that performance in finals history? I know we're being a little bit early, but where do you rank that performance? Because, I mean, racking my brain, I don't know too many better. Uh, well, I want to start off with the, uh, the answer to the last question first. Um, I, mm-hmm. I rank it as one of the better games in final history. I mean, I think it's up there with LeBron's game one against the Warriors in 2018, where he scored, I think, was 50 in a loss. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing I will say about this game is that, you know, it was a game three. It wasn't like a game seven or a game six to close out the winning series. So I think, you know, you could just take a little away from that. But as far as just a game, if you don't want to actually say what number game it was, but just a game in the finals, you know, it's one of the better um, games you've seen in the finals. I mean, a 40-point triple-double, I mean, what else can you ask for? And then as far as him doing it again, I, yeah, I think he's definitely capable of doing it again. I think Jimmy Butler main thing is going to be is he's going to be just as aggressive again. And even if he's not getting the foul calls, because um, I think we could both say that the refing or the officiating wasn't that great this last game, even if he's not getting those foul calls, is he still going to be willing to attack that basket, even if he's getting hit? Is he going to get frustrated and just start passing to his other guys, um, trying to make them make shots? I mean, I don't think if he doesn't let that get in his head, yeah, he can definitely do this again. I mean, and hopefully Miami doesn't need another 40-point game from Jimmy Butler because if you're relying on one player just to get 40-point games to win in the series, you know, I think you're in a tough situation. I don't care who you have out there. You can have Kobe Bryant out there, but if you're just relying on him to keep getting 40, 40, 40, um, you're probably not going to win. Here's what I think it'll take, and I definitely do agree. We need Jimmy aggressive no matter what, especially with, with, the, with all these guys down and these guys being your best players. You need Jimmy to be aggressive. Here's the formula for me. So th- this is for anybody watching any of the Heat games and the finals games going forward. You got to see Jimmy Butler shoot the, get 20 shots, so 20 field goal attempts, and 10 free throws. That's, that's, the, that's the key. And, and that all, all that means is he's being ultra aggressive, make or miss. And you even saw him in game two. I'm sorry, in game three um, the other day. You even saw him even passing up some shots where he even thought Anthony Davis was going to um, block him at the room and he was passing out, he even turned it over sometimes. Even those were a little frustrated. And you can hear Jeff Van Gundy and those guys on the, on the, on the, on the uh, broadcast even saying it like, dude, you got to be more aggressive. But it's kind of hard. I mean, obviously in the moment, 
you know, you're making a split decision. So it's easier to say that when you're not on the court. However, you got to see him make those plays that he's making, but I need him to be ultra aggressive. I mean, I don't care. I'm honestly, I'm at the point where I don't care if he goes eight for 20. I mean, he took 20 shots. He's being aggressive. If he's getting to that free throw line, make or miss. And you know, the Lakers are going to make adjustments as far as just one coming out with that effort. And two, you know, LeBron and those guys are going to make that call to the league office. And they felt like they weren't getting some calls. And, and like you said, the officiating wasn't, hasn't been great, but you just got to kind of play through it. And we don't, at this point, I mean, they're too talented with those two, those top two guys with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You got to be able to play through some of those things. But I think it's going to be interesting going forward. What do you see outlook-wise in game four? Do you still think this is a short series or can this swing? Um, I definitely see it being a possibility to swing. Um, if you're still asking me who's the favorite right now, if I had to pick, I would still go with the Lakers. But um, I could see the Heat winning game four, um, no doubt. I think he's going to take another big game from Jimmy Butler again. I hope not to reiterate. I hope it doesn't have to be a 40-point game necessarily, but I think he's going to take another big game. But um, he can have other guys step up. Duncan Robinson, his last game, had three assists, and I thought the way he was collapsing in defense, just in his gravity alone. Oh, we know he's going to shoot a three, pump fake, get to the basket, kick out. I thought um, that was really great. Um, you know, Kelly Atlantic, he really stretched the floor. Um I think, well, I'm not think, but I know that Bam Adebayo is a better player than Kelly Olenek. But, you know, I think one could argue that in this series, Kelly Olenek might actually be a better matchup just because of his ability to stretch the floor and what kind of room that leads Jimmy Butler to be able to operate in, in as far as getting to the basket. So um, I really think that he do have a chance to win game four. Um, I think they need to be ready because I think the Lakers are going to come out and try to throw a haymaker. I think LeBron's going to come out and be ultra-aggressive. I think Anthony Davis is going to be usher aggressive. I think he's going to take a lot of uh, mid-range shots and try to get in rhythm early in the game. So I think if the Heat can withstand that, I really think they have a good shot at taking game four. Uh, what's your outlook on it, though? I feel the same way. Obviously, for the sake of my prediction, I gotta, I'm going to have him pick. I'm picking them to win game four. What I would say about the Heat in this situation, I do agree with Kelly Olenek is a better matchup, but he's also a better matchup when he's not jacking up some terrible shots he was taking in game <laughs> two, when he would, didn't even set his feet and was just letting the ball go. He's such a frustrating player because he can't shoot the ball, stretch the floor. He's a good passer. He does certain things. But I'm just going to be honest with you. Also, if you're watching the Heat game, for anybody out there, there's only one player on the Heat that has the license to have the automatic green light no matter what, even if his feet's not set, and his name is Duncan Robinson. If, you're, if that's not your name, you got to get your feet set and be in rhythm to shoot the ball. And Kelly Olenek seemed to not understand that concept in game two. But he seemed to got that together now. Uh, Myers Leonard gave us a nice little boost there, even though he sometimes looks completely lost on the offensive end like he hasn't been on the team all year. But hopefully he can give us some serviceable minutes going forward. And I do think here's one benefit of the Heat that people haven't realized. The Heat are one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. They have been all year. To this point, even through three games, they have not shot the ball well from three. They haven't shot the ball well totally even well from the field, but especially from three, their percentage has not been well. Duncan Robinson hasn't shot the ball well, even though he has been fouled on a bunch of those three-point shots, shot attempts, and things like that. So if I'm just playing percentages, how many games can the Heat go being that good of a three-point shooting team and just shooting a terrible percentage? So that's the outlook. I'm, that's what I'm looking at. As something's got to give eventually. So the same way those Lakers came out in those first two games and they were just shooting the lights out of the ball, but then you see in game three they went cold. At some point, guys are going to revert back to their certain selves. Rondo and Kentavious Caldwell-Pope and Kuzma 
for the, even Danny Green, those guys are streaky shooters. And for all year, they haven't really played well um, as far as shooting the ball from three. So I would say the same way they reverted back, we should revert back to the same way. And we got to have – something, something tells me we have to have a game where we're shooting the ball and just absolutely clipping it and, and at least keeping us in the game. So it'll be interesting to see. I do hope the officiating gets better. Um, and I do hope they actually find Alice Crusoe for flopping. So just wanted to mention that as well. So, cause that is absolutely ridiculous. So, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see going forward. I'm very excited for the series and for everyone that did say it was going to be a sweep. Sorry that you're wrong. So it's very interesting going on. I did want to switch over to the NFL. There was some topics that we didn't speak about last time, just because we wanted to give all our focus to the NBA finals. He had an interesting story come out last week. For those who don't know, there's a quarterback for the San Diego, excuse me, the Los Angeles Chargers by the name of Tyrod Taylor. He was their starting quarterback. Now, Tyrod Taylor actually got an injury from, according to, according to sources, from his team doctors. He was trying to get an injection. He was actually, it looks like he was injected um, improperly there, which caused him to have an injury where he was having some palpitations and wasn't able to breathe. So he had to be hospitalized. Now, he missed the game, and therefore, we had to have the backup quarterback come in. The biggest thing of the situation is, which makes this even interesting, the backup quarterback is actually a rookie by the name of Justin Herbert, who was the Los Angeles Chargers' first-round pick this year, who was a guy that, of course, they were grooming to eventually be their starter. Now, it's very ironic that at the exact time that this they want to get this guy out there in the field, this guy gets hurt, the incumbent guy. So my question to you is, can Tyrod Taylor get his job back? And even I'll even pose that second question as well. How would you feel if you were in that situation when it wasn't really anyone's fault? I just want to also state Tyrod Taylor did say he wasn't upset at the team doctors. You know, that. That's what he said, at least publicly. But I kind of have a feeling of how I would feel about it. Trey, how would you feel being that guy? And is his job pretty much over now that Justin Herbert has actually now come in and played well? Um, I think I'd be very frustrated. I mean, I understand just from the little bit of reading I've been doing that uh, – this kind of injury, when you're getting a shot in the ribs, you know, it's not it's not unlikely. It does happen from time to time, but it still has to be very frustrating when, uh, you know, you have a shot. You know, you've kind of been a journeyman in the NFL, but you have a shot to start here and maybe, maybe possibly turn things around for your career here. You know, you're kind of older. You're in your 30s, and all of a sudden, they get injured in a fluke incident like this, and then to have the rookie quarterback come in and play as well as he has been playing. I know the Chargers have been losing games, but Justin Herbert's been playing very well. Um, and it's just going to be hard to get that starting position back because, I mean, what would be the reason why would you give it back to Tyrod Taylor? I mean, he, granted, I don't really see him playing better than Justin Herbert's been playing these last two games. And when you want the rookie quarterback to get some time under this center, when you want him on the field to learn the ropes of the NFL. I mean, so I just, I guess from my perspective, I just don't even see why you would get the job back to Tyrod Taylor. And it's not like he's done anything wrong. You know, he hasn't been charged with a crime. He hasn't skipped practice. He hasn't been out partying. And it was just an unfortunate situation, but it happens. I mean, look at Tom Brady got to take um, the, um, um, Patriots. Look how he became in charge of the Patriots. I mean, it was just a fluke injury, you know, with bless us. I mean, it happens. It's unfortunate for Tyrod Taylor. I do feel bad for him, but, you know, it's life. I mean, how would you feel about yep. it, I guess? Yes, I definitely do agree. Tyrod Taylor, 
has been in an unfortunate situation being a journeyman in the NFL. And this isn't the first time it's happened to him. So you feel even worse for the guy. I mean, I remember him being in, in, with the Buffalo Bills. And for those who, who don't know, he was actually benched for a guy by the name of Nathan Peterman. And Trey, I know you know who Nathan Peterman is, Mr. Interception, um, who threw a bunch of interceptions uh, for the um, for the uh, Buffalo Bills there. And he set a league record for the most interceptions with fewer than 100 career passing attempts. Literally, I mean, the most unfortunate thing, the guy threw five interceptions in the first half of his first NFL start. I mean, it doesn't get worse than that. So you got Ben Shore, a guy that did that. He goes to Cleveland where they were an up-and-coming team. They actually draft Baker Mayfield. He was actually the starting quarterback for the first few games. He actually got injured, brought Baker Mayfield in, which, you know, obviously they were going to start him eventually anyway, and that's happened. And so this is the third time he's been pretty much Wally Pipped, if you will, um, in his career. So at this point, it's kind of like you're a journeyman. This has happened a few times. I don't really know a situation where you go to another situation where you get a job and you can be the starter. And, it, and it's just like you said, it's just life. It's one of those unfortunate things. But I would definitely be upset if I was him. Obviously, out of his control, just tough. And and I definitely do wish him the best. And hopefully at some point he gets a job where he can kind of be the man and given the, the reign and the opportunity. But I don't know with an NFL quarterback at this at this juncture of your career, if you're a bit, you've already been in the league, pretty much a veteran. You're 31 years old. You know, you're kind of used to building around a, a young guy. So league's going to be very interesting to see. Also did want to mention, we did have the conversation last time about the Russell Wilson uh, Patrick Mahomes thing. Uh, Russell Wilson did shred my Miami Dolphins. I don't know if that made you feel any different about no. what we spoke about last week. <laughs> Not he at shredded all, huh? the Miami Dolphins. You said it yourself. Like he shredded. I, I mean, I, I hate to be that way, but he shredded the Miami <laughs> Dolphins. Like the only words you can say is, "Oh, he shredded the Dallas Cowboys." Like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, the. De- yeah, and that might well, to be honest, that might be worse. To be honest with you, that might be worse. The Dolphins defense isn't terrible. The Dolphins defense is not, and I know I'm a homer, but the Dolphins defense isn't terrible. We also are missing our starting corner, but he was just dropping dimes all over the place, man. And he's making the case for MVP this year, along with Josh Allen as well. He played really well um, this past week. So we'll, we'll kind of see how that goes. And we'll definitely keep track of that going forward because it's definitely a very interesting conversation between those two guys because both of those guys have been balling. It's been insane, so... Definitely be interesting to see going forward. Also, some news in the NFL we didn't get to touch last time. Tennessee Titans. We had a few players test positive. I think the actual number was up to 20 uh, people total, whether players or staff, that was tested positive. I know the game got postponed. And also, we just came out. Cam Newton for the uh, New England Patriots isn't going to play in the game against the Chiefs, and the game was postponed because he tested positive. Now – they were pretty much thankful that he was the only one tested. I think it was him and a backup quarterback got tested positive. But other than that, nobody else got tested positive. Are you surprised um, that it's taken this long for a team to have a bunch of guys test positive uh, for COVID and have games postponed? I am surprised. I mean, I'm happy, but I am surprised it's taken that long. Um, it is unfortunate that it has happened now. And I think just from a sports fan's perspective, I'm just curious to see how this is going to play um, play out because let's just say this happens in the playoffs and the Patriots make the playoffs and then Cam Newton is out because of COVID. I mean, doesn't that game have an asterisk on it? I mean, what do you say? Can we just postpone that game until next week when the quarterback is able to play? I mean, that doesn't sound feasible. I mean, granted, you know, 2020 has been a weird year, so I'm not going to say it can't happen, but it just is weird. And then what if a team has to miss a game this season? 
and then they're right in a bubble getting into the playoffs. Do they not get in the playoffs mm-hmm. because they had to miss a game because it's not like it's their fault they did anything wrong. So um, I am curious to see what the NFL's response is going to be when this does actually hit the fan, and I think it will because, you know, I think it just would get a little bit worse before it gets better. But, um, again, I am happy to be surprised that this hasn't happened yet. I mean, how do you feel about it? We talked about this previously early on about a month or so, a month ago or so. I'm surprised that this hasn't happened sooner just because of the travel. Travel alone, I mean, let's, okay, let's just call it what it is. Traveling alone without COVID-19 is already one of the filthiest things you can do. If anybody that's that's listening to my voice right now, if you've ever been on an airplane, I mean, it's, it's disgusting. I I'm just going to keep it up. I mean, I'm not... I'm not Howie Mandel. I'm not a germaphobe or anything like that, but it's pretty disgusting. So that's going to happen as it is. I mean, I've been on an airplane. People are coughing, sneezing, babies crying, things are going on. You know, that's already as it is. So imagine adding COVID-19 into this where you, you can't guarantee that everyone's going to be as responsible as maybe you're trying to be or maybe people in your family are trying to be. So it's tough. So I'm surprised it hasn't happened um, earlier. The second thing I would say is kind of like what echo and sentiments that you said. What are we going to do going forward? Because I don't necessarily see this ending. I mean, players are traveling, not only traveling, but they're going back home. They're, they're seeing their families, their friends. I, now, I know some of them might scale themselves back and not be going out, not, may not be going out a bunch of places, may not be seeing as much family members as they are. But you cannot expect every, three, every player to be doing that. There's 53 men on every roster. I don't know what the math is times 30, but that's a lot. And you cannot expect everyone to be, you know, living – as safe as they could be and wearing a mask everywhere and doing everything possible. That's kind of the reason, you know, that we were doubting even college football, which we'll get to shortly, but we don't even know how that's going to work. So it's going to be interesting to see going forward. I hope that this isn't something that's going to continue, but if I'm being honest, if I'm putting all my chips in the table, I'm going to, I'm going to definitely bet say that there's going to be some more people testing positive going forward because the NBA set the model for it. You've got to have a bubble. You've got to have a controlled environment. That's the only way. I know it's really unfortunate. I know guys are depressed in the bubble. And I know things were going on and you don't get to see your family. But if you want to play this game, if you want to get paid in the times we're in, it's just one of the sacrifices that these guys are going to have to make. So it'll definitely be interesting to see going forward. So, but finally, wanted to dedicate some time to our Miami Hurricanes. Obviously, we got the big win over Florida State a few weeks ago. We were on our bye week. We got the big game against Clemson coming up Saturday night. Trey, how are you feeling about us? And do we have a legit chance to win this game? Um, I'm really feeling good about Miami. <laughs> uh, what do we consider a legit chance? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's. what's the percentage chance they're winning this game, if probability-wise, if you want to put it that way? Yeah. yeah really? that, I mean, listen, it's better than wow. years past, let's be honest. Um, wow. This Clemson team really hasn't looked worse than they have in years past. I mean, and Miami, yes, they have looked better. We've got better quarterback play. Uh, we have a pretty good defense, but uh, this is still Clemson we're playing. So I guess that has me a little bit worried. And then I will say Miami, you know, for the most part, they really haven't played a great team this year up to this point. I mean, the last game was against Florida mm-hmm. State, and I think that says enough. So I mean, this is going. <laughs> this is going to be our first real test. So even if they don't win, I'm just interested to see how they stack up against them. 
if they lose this game by two touchdowns, I would say that's a pretty good game. I know you never want to go out there with the mindset that you're going to lose, but um, I think, you know, once you look back and take a step back, if you say, okay, this game was in two touchdowns, um, I think that's a pretty good game. I don't know how you feel about this upcoming game. Well, man, I definitely give us more okay, than 25% what, what are you chance. Giving us? Come on, man. Sorry, here's my here's my take before I get my percentage. So, because I want to back this up before people think I'm crazy. It's the number one team in the country. It's in Clemson. Everything's backs against the wall. Here's two things that's in the benefit of the Hurricanes. One, nobody's picking you to win this game, so you can just go out and play. Two, college football, we know it's all about atmosphere, right? All about the bright lights and all the fans. Um, Last time I checked... COVID-19 is still going on. It's still going to be limited attendance. So, and that, if, if that makes a big difference, especially in college sports as opposed to professionally. So I think they have a real chance. I know Clemson's played really well. I, I do have some questions about what we can do defensively against them. I think that defensively we have looked shaky, but I think offensively we can really put up some points. And I think we haven't had a quarterback, like we've talked about this before, as dynamic as De'Ara King in a long time. Maybe even ever. I mean, I'd have to really think. I don't know if you – maybe even ever, just as far as dynamically as what, you, what he can do with his legs and his arm. I think he can really cause some problems for, a Clem, for that Clemson team. So I'm giving us – it's 50-50. That, that's how I'm feeling. It's, it's, it's legitimately 50-50 for me. It, I, don't, I don't see it going any other way. I mean, they can win this game. They can totally win this game. And if they, if they win this game – where should they be ranked? Because if they're number seven in the country now, I mean, they got to be top I mean, three. But right? I, yes and no. Yes, if, if they, they win, win, they have to be. But, I mean, how are we doing this rankings? Because the Pac-12 is not going on. The Big, the big Ten is not going I mean, how, how, how are the rankings? Really? You, really, the Pac-12? Because you were worried about I'm, anybody in the Pac-12 I mean, being For example, how are we doing these rankings? That's all <laughs> I'm saying. You're right. I mean, that's a big what if. I guess you know what's funny? The rankings probably don't even really matter as much this year. It's just if you win the conference, we'll go from there. Because, yeah, like you're saying at this point, this conference is not playing. This conference is just yeah, getting started. I mean, and the Big Ten isn't playing. I mean, I know, okay, maybe we say the Pac 12, the Big Ten still not playing. I mean, so I'm just not, I guess what I'm saying is I'm not overly concerned about, you know, rankings. But what I will say is that this Clemson team doesn't look like they've lost any stride. That's for certain. And then we're talking about a Miami team, of course, that played UAB, Louisville, Florida State. I mean, you know, they just haven't played anybody yet that I really thought, ooh, this team, they really could put the works on them. They don't come out prepared. So I think this is going to be Miami's first test. Like I said, I'm interested to see how they respond. I I, when I say 25%, I'm still giving them a chance to win. I mean, I'm not saying it's zero. I'm just saying I don't think they're favorite, you know. So you'd be surprised if we won? Yeah, I, I would be surprised. 25%. Wouldn't be shocked, but I would be surprised. Okay. okay. I mean, that's definitely understandable. Like I said, there's no pressure on us. We can just go out there and ball, man, and we can see what happens. Because win or lose – I'm sorry, excuse me, even if we lose – I mean, you can't drop that much in the rankings or you lost to the number one team in the country. I mean, unless you just go out there and just completely get hey, like said, I don't and get blown out. Which, right. Which I don't, which I don't, I know I'm a fan, but which I don't see that happening. So it will definitely be interesting. Um, definitely. And of course, if we win this game, De'Ara King's got to be on the top of the Heisman Trophy, uh, Heisman Trophy running there. So it'll be definitely interesting to see. I'm, I'm picking the Canes. I'm picking my boys. 
like usual. I'm picking, you know, I'm a homer, man. I'm picking my boys and I'm picking the, the Heat to tie up this series. So it'll definitely be interesting to see what we have going forward. So that's that's going to be a wrap for us. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Please go ahead and like and subscribe to our podcast. We, we, we can't thank you enough for everyone that's already tuned in and for our future listeners. And we have um, gone through and taken so much feedback and we, we definitely are listening. Thank you for all the questions. We want to th- we want to know how you feel about the heat and the hurricanes and these different teams and your favorite team going forward. And it's going to be definitely interesting to see going forward. And around the topic, I wouldn't be, well, excuse me, off topic would be remiss. I know uh, registering the voting is about to end, depending on when you listen to this or already ended. If you, if you can, please, please, please go out and vote. I don't want to get into details about why you should vote. It should be pretty obvious, but go ahead and vote. Vote, 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 vote. We're pushing that. If you want to see change, go ahead and vote. Trey, um, your of thoughts. Of course, you know, I'm not going to get too political, but I mean, regardless of what party or num- if you're non-party, you know, just vote. Um, there's importance in voting. And if you don't vote, don't talk to me. So vote. <laughs> I can't I can't say this if, if you're not voting, no, we don't have anything to talk So once again, everyone, thank you so much for joining us. Trey, it's been a pleasure like usual. Everyone, please like, subscribe. We'll be bringing you more content. And we'll see you soon. That's a wrap.